Hello, and welcome to the Agony Cast, where we are improving culture through friendly competition. I'm Jeremy, the fallen prince of a fallen land, and with me are this week's guests. Kit, and in high school I was voted most likely to get stuck in an ironic Annie Hall phase. I'm Nathaniel. I am the past president of the Hummel Figurines Collectors Club. All right, and this week we've only got the, uh, the three of us, so it'll be uh, even more intimate than usual. Mm. Yeah. I've uh, turned, up, turned up the thermostat. Nice. So uh, as uh, habitual listeners to this program will know, uh, we have two rounds. We're going to start things off with our two-minute win-it round. Two-minute Wherein each of us will have an uninterrupted two minutes to respond to a previously determined prompt. Uh, let's see. It looks like this week's prompt was, what film would teach a child the most about how the world works? And lucky me, I get to start. Uh, so for me, this issue has become immediately pressing for Nathaniel and me because we have small children uh, with external women, I should point out, not each other. Uh, and I don't mean to pull rank on the uh, childless people with us today who will remain nameless, but I don't sure. see how you could have credibility on this or any other issue unless you're a mother. Uh, now, although we're both parents, I expect that we uh, have approached this question differently because I have a wonderful daughter, while he has a son who I assume I'm expected to raise after Nathaniel dies, and I will fight your widow for that opportunity. Uh, that said, I suspect Aww. we all initially jumped at the obvious choice, uh, which of course is One Crazy Summer, the definitive work on how to make our summers crazy and how to negotiate said estival lunacy. But let's move past our initial response, no matter its validity. The question is, of course, essentialist. It posits a world that is and speculates about a film that truly and didactically reveals its nature. However, I don't have the luxury of viewing the world in these platonic, i.e. monstrous, terms. I have a real daughter, so my response must be informed by my understanding of her subjectivity. So bearing that in mind, I'd like my daughter to learn about a world that has a fulfilling place for her. So I'm not sold on movies that just have ass-kicking heroines like Kill Bill's Bride or even Fury Road's Imperator Furiosa. That's a valuable counterpoint, obviously, but it's no less limiting than any other stock image. So I think a good option here is Marge Gunderson from Fargo. She's the picture of competence and resolve in a world that can be brutal and seemingly irreconcilable. Yet she has the constitution to persist, as we must, and not through adherence to dogma, but through resolute compassion. The only caveat with her is that one of her greatest strengths that she persists while she's pregnant uh, potentially suggests that a complete woman must be a wife and mother. And it's not a flaw, it's just an implication. Um, as such, I mean, although those are valuable roles, I don't want to imply that they're necessary. Uh, those concerns are also at stake with Alan Ripley from the Alien series, obviously, who's entangled with her own complex motherhood issues. So I think the way to resolve this is to move to a more germinal and perhaps a more protean state of development. This leads us to Hermione Granger, who I think is a great choice as the true protagonist of the Wizard People series. <laughs> the only real caveat with her is that her fantastical circumstances may seem too detached from our lived realities. Indeed, it may connote that such a character is only possible in fantasy 
and you know the stakes are too high for that kind of escapism. So our final answer, uh, which I think is so obvious that maybe it's invisible, uh, and that's 16 candles. <laughs> now you might rightly say that Breakfast Club provides more productive information about social dynamics, but its reliance on archetypal characters lessens its insight into a particular complex entity's orientation within them. So it's the story of the club, right? And in order to explain the whole, it has to circumscribe its parts. So this is why 16 Candles is the right answer. It offers a microcosm of situational aspects while exploring the complexities of its protagonist. Who is Sam, anyway, right? She struggles with many aspects of identity, and although her overarching goal may seem trite, you know, just pairing with the popular boy, although, you know, Jake Ryan is a notorious hunk, um, it's an enactment of finding meaningful connection, uh, and it's connect contextualized within her growth as a coherent agent. And more important for me, the whole film is predicated on a giant parent fuck-up, right? And that's going to happen. Uh, forgetting a birthday is comparatively harmless, but its message is that Sam can count on her parents' absolute love and support as she navigates her identity formation and becomes her own woman. So for me, this is... Uh, why it's the movie that teaches my child the most about how the world works. But hey, um, let's cool it on the stereotypes a little bit. I can only assume that Long Duck Dong ruined the lives of Asian Americans for generations. Uh, they really should leave racism to the podcast professionals. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced. I like that one. Uh, yeah, I didn't think about my child at all in preparing this, so I'm going to look monstrous in comparison. Where did we land on that? was <laughs> the best movie. Was that 16 Candles there at the end then? Yeah. Yeah, thank you for paying close attention. Yeah, 16 Candles um, was my choice for the uh, the best movie after I discarded the other potential uh, winners. She was so passionate at the top, I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing a, a subtlety of choice there, but it's, we landed on 16 Candles, all right? That's true. Well, I'm nothing if not passionate. <laughs> in all things, passionate even in his negation. Mm -hmm. A, a quick follow-up. Could you see these movies as a kind of... Would you stagger these in their viewing, right? After 16 Candles provided the base through which to view the other two. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, when the kid's sort of more me-focused, you know, then you watch Breakfast Club. When she, worry, when she acknowledges that, you know, there is a broader social world, you move on to Breakfast Club. Really, the entire Hughes Oville is... Yes. Uh, <laughs> is just sort of a program for a child development. Uh -huh. We can even talk about weird tangents like some kind of wonderful... Yeah, or or things in that vein. Did he do uh, Adventures in Babysitting? Jeez, is that a Hughes movie? I don't think so, but that was... When I was uh, fishing around for help with this, with my significant other, that was immediately her first choice. Mm. Oh, it is not. Thank you, Internet. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, that was my uh, spiel kit. You now have two minutes to take it away. All right. Um, I think, although I am childless, and, of course, maybe that gives me not as a direct view on this, I, I am going to stick to just passionate backings of this film rather than a lot of personal narrative up at the top about my life. I think I'm going to have to go with the choice, the only choice, which is Kindergarten Cop. And um, <laughs> I think... Why is, is you have it all. It's really chock full of invaluable life lessons for children. Um, you create a base knowledge of the criminal system right up top, which is important to know in this sort of day and age with all the turmoil and whatnot. Uh, oh, tell you deal me with the not. danger. 
you deal with the dangers of drugs. Uh, you also get to see how fun kindergarten is going to be, assuming that your teachers and family is also Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, it gives children who, by definition, are eventual products of divorce, statistically speaking, um, an insight into the inner workings of divorce. Um, because, as you both will remember from your sound-based knowledge of the 1990 American comedy Kindergarten Cop, um, Schwarzenegger's character, John Kimball, has been chasing known murderer Chris Colin, and his approach to finding them is to, in fact, go into Colin's son's kindergarten class. But little does he know, his love interest ends up being his, uh, Colin's ex-wife. And there's some really fabulous one passive one-liners um, that will open children up to the nuances of the passive tension they'll witness every other weekend from their separated parents throughout their life. Um, children will also, fun side note, will find equally stimulating gender stereotype roles in uh, another Schwarzenegger film, Jingle All the Way, starring Sinbad, if you remember. Um, kids could also get a grasp on the do's and don'ts of when your parents uh, takes you hostage in a sense of misguided love. Um, and with that, when your parent then starts a fire in the library of a kindergarten and takes you hostage, um, children can see that just because you're in the presence of adults who presumably have your best interest at heart, that won't stop them from opening fire near you if it means that they might take down their nemesis and avenge their own life work. Uh, also, at an early age, kids can learn a little bit about sexual desire and that sometimes it's so strong you can't help but to interrupt a class full of five-year-olds in order to kiss very awkwardly and sexually uh, their kindergarten teacher. Also, they will learn that ferrets are terrible fucking pets. And that is why Kindergarten Cop is the one movie to teach children about the world. Nice. Yeah, that, that's a sound choice, I think. That, and now, that got increasingly, increasingly specific in its lessons as you move <laughs> forward. Yeah, and in fact, you know, the notion of bringing sexuality into the kindergarten, that's not a knock against it for me. <laughs> No, of course not. I think it's an important lesson to learn. Right. Yeah. It's, That's my defense. Yeah. That's true. Now, did, did we ever resolve once and for all whether or not it's a tumor? <laughs> <laughs> I, believe, I believe it's... I mean, he states emphatically it's not a tumor, although he is not a doctor, so I don't... He provides no <laughs> medical evidence for that. Perhaps that's the next season of Serial. Yeah. It's interesting that while I kind of see <laughs> more uh, John Hughes as being a guru of child development, <laughs> you sought the former governor, and maybe he did one or two other things, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's a lot of children, but I mean, he did Junior, also about raising children. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Now he did And as I know to jingle all the way. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> we know. And, uh, you know, his pro-Nazi stance is also pretty important for young kids. <laughs> you can never be too young to learn about fascism. Yeah. That's true. Desire and fascism. <laughs> well, that says it all. He's also pro-drug, so he's a tidy package. All right. Um, well, you know what that reference to Austrians means. It's time for Nathaniel to bring us home here. Nathaniel, you've got two minutes to finish us up. All right, Thank you. Happy ending. Um. Uh, well, actually, that's a that's a perfect transition to what I have to share today. So mm -hmm. this this question leaves unanswered or perhaps um, unaddressed whether this should be a movie you'd have children watch. 
Here we go. So that movie, the movie that might teach children the most, might very well be the movie that they shouldn't watch. But that's the point. Whatever movie a child shouldn't, shouldn't watch de facto becomes the movie that teaches them the most about the world. Uh, the world, after all, is what we try to hide from our children. And so whatever movie teaches children the most about the world must be a movie from which there is no coming back, no unseeing, no unfeeling. And so I want to talk about this has to be personal then for each each person. So I'm going to talk about a movie that I watched at a young age that I probably shouldn't have watched, um, and that is the 1993 softcore pornography film Desert Passions, with the tagline "Where Desert and Desire Become One." The movie follows two show business women who leave Los Angeles for Las Vegas, but phony state troopers abduct them in the desert, and they are taken to a laboratory slash prison. Here, males come to experience sexual fantasies, which is the job of the two girls and other pulchritudinous captives to flesh out. The captors force hypnotic drugs upon them to aid their performances. And then at this point, a, count, a country hitchhiker they met earlier at a gas station decides to come rescue the girls. This is Desert Passions. <laughs> so I took, away, I took away four lessons from this movie. Um, as more or less a child, I was I was a, a young prepubescent boy, so which I'm counting that as child. Granted, I didn't hit puberty till I was 20, so I extended childhood. So, but the first lesson I learned is that the world is a sexy, sexy place where sex happens everywhere and often. I also learned that drugs are part and parcel of any sexual encounter, as is coercion. But I'm just seeing drugs as a, as another form of coercion. I also learned, and this is important. Uh, that police are not to be trusted, and I find this to be especially timely, that this lesson carries with me into the contemporary moment. And I also learned, fourth and, and most, perhaps most importantly, that hitchhikers are always to be trusted, um, that they will come <laughs> and rescue when it's most important. Um, and so Desert Passions, a film about sexual exploration, sexual experimentation, the performance of act as a way to give great joy to strange men, um, uh, this is a movie that, that taught me a lot about the world, and, and I found it to be true. I've, I've not found these lessons to be, to be untrue. So, uh, Desert Passions. That's my choice. I think you could make the same argument for Requiem for a Dream, which I no. also saw too young. You cannot. And learned the same exact lessons. <laughs> yeah. You know, I kind of dipped out there for a bit. Did this end up being an advertisement for Utah's uh, tourism industry? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Actually, that's uh, the Utah took the tagline from this movie, uh, where desert and desire become one. Utah. Right. So there's also a Desert Passions two, which was not as good, although mostly just as sexy. Yeah, compromise second draft. What do you yeah. expect? Yeah. yeah, there's a counter-narrative, though, I think, to your statement about hitchhikers in the Rucker Hauer movie. Are you queuing up Requiem for a Dream? Is that being made into a musical? No. What is the music being played? I don't know. <laughs> we'll edit this out. None of this matters. Uh, so anything else about uh, Nathaniel's take on movies that uh, kids shouldn't see and are therefore the most didactic, I guess? I think so. What You, you learn... You learn by by its absence what 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 are you being protected from what are you being sheltered from now how did you stumble upon this nathaniel i was at a friend's house and he had he had cinemax and this came on at about Ooh. one o'clock in the morning Sexy. My, yeah. my friend jeff's house no i was gonna ask if it was jeff yeah it was oh, jeff. 
They had they had cable. <laughs> we all have our own Jeff, don't we? Yes, we all do. Jeff had Skinamax. My Jeff is also Nathaniel's Jeff, oddly enough. Yes, we share Jeffs. <laughs> we share Jeffs. All right. Well, if there's nothing else about this, um, we'll go ahead and move forward. Um, oh. I'm going to have to take that, guys. Can you hold on for just uh, one minute? I'm going to go ahead and uh, no problem. mute myself here. We'll fix this in post. Yeah, we can do commentary over your lips. Uh huh. Oh yes. <laughs> lip lips. Yeah. Oh hi, I'm Jeremy. His mouth, Hello. Not, his mouth isn't moving yet. I was prepping my voice. Okay, that's a good. That's. I wanted to sink into the right. No. Have you seen Desert Passions? No. You know, I'm not sure that I've actually seen Desert Passions. I've seen Desert Passions too, <laughs> but I I couldn't find a yeah, I couldn't I couldn't find a plot summary of Desert Passions too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I had the Wikipedia touch up on Kindergarten Cop because I actually haven't seen it in like four or five years. Yeah, so you did not watch it. Why are we watching? Why is he showing us what's happening here? I don't know. Are we going to see some you know insider what? information? Lego pornography. Here we go. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, my God. Are there, what's is, happening? There, is there video? He's mm -hmm. showing us Lego pornography as he has this conversation. If, if there's no video, I'm not interested. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, oh. Best knife too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you get different sentences versus stabbing and slashing? Is that what this is? I don't know. No, I'm guessing this is techniques. As a put, not it's not a legal thing. Right. No. Knife warehouse. Here we go. Oh Jesus. What? Ooh. Uh oh. Oh no. Wait, are you being like tracked? Yep. Oh shit. Should I be worried? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Now we're back to Lego pornography. For real. Not a single track mind, is it? What is he doing? <sighs> okay, uh, welcome back. Um, so now that we've wrapped up with the uh, uh, first round, we'll go ahead and move on to our uh, speed round. Speed round. Um, as long-time listeners know, on our speed round, we'll uh, pull up some random topics here and then just uh, have some uh, impromptu responses. So it looks like our first uh, prompt in our speed round is, what font name would make the best porn star name? Mm. Well, Ariel, obviously. I mean, is there a way so we can say it? Like, I think Gera Mond? Potentially. Uh, Calibri, that's in there. Mm-hmm. Comic Sans, I think, depending on what type of pornography you do. Chicago. Uh, mm. Ooh, Bradley Hand, ITC. <laughs> uh, Futura Black. Yep. Virginia. I like that one. Baskerville Old Face. <laughs> that sounds more like the name of a porno as opposed to the name of a, a porn star. Old English. Yep. Symbols. Uh, oh, God, what's the... Oh, yeah, Lucida, Lucida Black Letter. Or Lucida Bright. I think or either Lucida one of them. Grand. Yeah. Calibri Lightbody. Yeah. <laughs> New Paninum. Yeah. <laughs> Plantagenet Cherokee. There we go. <laughs> and it goes on. Yeah. Tamil Sangam. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> you you Mincho. And of course everybody's favorite Zaf Dingbats. Right. You gotta get the dingbats mm. in there. Yeah. Alright. Um 
All right, so for our second prompt then, if we've wrapped up, otherwise we're just going to be read. we're just going to open up the uh, font right. here and yep. read through them. Yep, that's where uh, I'm headed. So yep. our second prompt is, uh, and this will be trickier, uh, titles for your welcome back Cotter slash head of, the, head of the class slash fiction. Titles for your welcome back Cotter head of the class slash fiction. Oh boy. Well, as we all know, basically, Saved by the Bell already is slash fiction for those two. Yes. So maybe uh, Shaved by Save the Balls? Saved by the Bell. <laughs> shaved by the Balls. Um, I mean, can we just go with Sweat Hogs? Yeah, exclamation point. Yes, of course, of course. Or actually, Sweat Hogs? <laughs> How about Head Back, Cotter? <laughs> yeah. Um, handjob Carter? Cotter. 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 Handjob Cotter. Sorry. Also, Handjob Carter. <laughs> that too. Much different slash fiction film. The problem we're running into is I can't think of any of the characters from Head of the Class. Um, well, we could just substitute guys from the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> uh, Fez, Bobarino, Dutch. Welcome back, Rorschach. Was that Rorschach? Rorschach. Perfect. Actually, I like Rorschach. Rorschach is a, is the name of a slash fiction. Yep. Um, God, I'm trying to think of the Welcome Back Cotter theme song. Is head of the class, was that Billy Connolly? Uh, not initially. You know, curiously, oh, yeah. uh, Heads Up Cotter is also a, the name of a font. <laughs> Heads Up Cotter. No, laid-back teacher provides needed guidance about life for a special class of exceptional students. Who was the teacher? William Schilling. Yeah, you know, I think he was also the dude right at the end of uh, uh, the movie Clue. He played uh, yes. the FBI agent. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a deep cut. That is a deep <laughs> cut. Speaking of deep cuts, our third prompt is life <laughs> hacks that you won't find on the Internet. Life hacks that you won't find on the Internet. Well, I suppose the most obvious one is that if you turn your underpants inside out, you can wear them another day. That's true. True. Or yeah. using rolled-up toilet paper for uh, in lieu of tampons. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. we've, all, we've all been there. Uh, yeah, you sure have. The Jeremy version of that is a fistful of wadded-up makeup sponges from under the sink when I had to uh, poop. <laughs> I do, actually, as Nathaniel points out, I do have a list of these items. What else is on there? Uh... Oh, like a, uh, Arby's wrapper from a Texaco. Uh huh. Yeah, that 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 was a day trip nightmare. Uh, uh, seven pork rinds. These also double as life hacks, by the way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally. But I would think using uh, fissile material to start a campfire. You know, I kind of object to the substance of this question. You know, why does everything have to be life hacked up? The thirty seconds I save, I'm just going to waste in my own crepulence anyway. True. Well, and plus then there's the broadcasting of your life hack on the internet, which also takes up additional time. That whatever time you save, you use to brag about the life hack. Like I used, I used a bobby pin to uh, microwave my burrito. Yeah, this is all getting lost to Twitter. Yeah. Other other life hacks. Like how to clean the rubber ledge of your fridge without first spilling something massive on the top of your fridge. How do you do that? Yeah. Yeah, um, that's more of a question than a. <laughs> than a <laughs> so these are proposed life hacks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm dealing with. That's why they're not on the internet yet. They don't quite exist. We're just blue skying things we want. <laughs> yeah. I'm just seeking guidance, really. What if you had like a banana, but it also tasted like a grape? <laughs> <laughs> 
you can use the screams of children uh, to help uh, cancel out the noise of sirens. Yeah. How to use paper towels instead of going to the dry cleaner. It's just a dry rub technique. Right. Dry rub technique, again, being slash fiction of a welcome back, Cotter and head in the twilight. <laughs> Uh, any other uh, potential life hacks, Nathaniel? Perhaps you were is uh, uh, one that was on the tip of your tongue. I was using a using a, a spiral notebook to pick your nose. Yeah, well, I'm glad we paused for that. Are there <laughs> any others? I'm not. No. I mean, you can use the back of a button to uh, as a toothpick. Yeah. I'm afraid we're gonna have to move along. You can use a piece of paper as a toothpick too. That's true. Uh, That's just common sense. Yeah, won't find that on your <laughs> internet. Maybe that's what these are. These are so mundane as to not warrant being placed on the internet. <laughs> Make sure to use the pointy end of a knife forward, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, that reminds yeah. me. I've got to look up landfills. Uh, that's an unrelated thing, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if we have no others, we've moved now to the voting portion. Okay. Uh, since there's only three of us, I guess we're each going to have to vote, and you can't vote for yourself. And if there's a three-way tie, uh, I'll just pick one. All right, yeah. so uh, let's see. I'm voting first. Yeah. I'm going to go with Kit. I think you both made strong cases. Um, Kit, I think, though, had a little bit more uh, passion in terms of um, <laughs> really the gravitas that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger brings to child rearing. So I'm going to go with Kit. I had, I had passion in the title of my film that I picked. Thank you for recognizing that. Yeah, I know. But yours uh, was all passion-based, you know? That's the thing. I mean, using it literally, you were um, counterintuitively perhaps uh, not feeling it. You were talking about it rather than talking with it. Oh, I was, oh, I was feeling it. Fair enough. Uh, Kit, who is your vote for? For whom is your vote? Think about this carefully. Okay, that's too carefully. Kit, who are you voting for? Um, I think uh, have to vote for Nathaniel because there yes. was there's some pain in your story about the age at which you saw this, uh -huh. and um, and of course not having cable, what a tough life. And uh, I just think I kind of relate to the the character behind your defense more than anything. So I'm gonna have to Thank go you. with you. Thank you. I You're like welcome. passion because I was full of pain. <laughs> yes, That's I could sense point. that. Yeah. All right, Nathaniel, uh, who are you going to vote for? Hmm. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to vote for Jeremy. God damn it. <laughs> I, I, mean, liked, I liked his sincere effort to answer the question and, and to keep in his mind, in his mind's eye, his daughter as she, as she grows into a, into a young woman and then a woman and, and thinking about the, the significance and the stakes of that. I, w I was moved by that. Mm. It was right. very moving. Yeah. Well, I'll accept that. And uh, as we've got a three-way tie here, <laughs> what we're going to do is we're just all winners and simultaneous losers, let's be honest. Um, and I'll just pick a, a random topic for next uh, episode, and that's going to be uh, pitch an episode for the X-Files reboot. <laughs> 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 uh, so for uh, next episode, uh, the participants will give us their spiel, uh, pitching an episode for the X-Files reboot. We are getting closer to the present. Yeah. All right, well, that'll do it for this uh, session of the Agony Cast. As always, uh, I don't have a way to end these.